shower of love on, on me and my family. And as we uh, celebrated my 60th birthday on Friday, it's actually on, um, on February 5th. It's a Sunday, so we could just do it again if you missed it. And, uh, but uh, just we were re- I was reading through your cards and everything, and I went, wow, Trish, look at this one. Look at this one. Look at this. And it was like, Wow, I'm mean, just overwhelmed with uh, the well wishes and the things that you, indic- uh, uh, the way you were showing love to me and to Trish in that way. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yes, it was very crowded in our home. We ran out of parking and everything. Uh, but uh, again, thank you for, for joining us uh, for that. Um, uh, we are in the middle of our Genesis series. We're looking at some of the major topics, some of the things that we've uh, seen very early. We saw the creation, of course, and then we saw, hi, buddy. <laughs> My little buddy's here. He's going to distract me the whole message. Um, uh, yeah, if you haven't met my grandson, Cade, he's right there. Yeah. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, there's creation, and then we had the fall. Uh, we dealt with um, the flood, and now this is after the flood. So this is a not really a creation reboot because everything is still there. All the earth is there. But think of it as like 2.0. Remember last week, we saw that everything was really, really bad. Every thought of every person was evil all the time. And so it Imagine living that way, where everyone is is hurting one another. There's not even times where you can at least find shelter in your home. Imagine trying to find a hiding place so you could sleep, uh, because everyone was so bad and so evil. And so God, as an act of mercy, said, we need to start again. Well, this is after that. This is uh, where the earth is going to be refilled again with people from Noah's sons and their wives as they repopulate everything. And we're going to see, if you've ever wondered, where did we get all of our nations and languages and so forth? Well, we're going to see where those came from today. And, and then also ask, why don't people do things differently? Or why did they do things differently than we do? Uh, and if you ever go to another country, everyone knows you're an American. Uh, and he's like, what am I doing differently? It, you, you are. You're different. You're gonna, they, they know automatically that you indeed are an American. We do some things that are weird to the rest of the world, but it's normal for us. For example, high sugar breakfast. Uh, it, we, we do that. We're, we do Pop-Tarts, okay, uh, and high sugar cereals. But the rest of the world, they don't do that. That's dessert. So it's like, for them, it's having dessert for breakfast, which for many of you might be okay. Um, uh, we're also loud. Uh, if you, you could always spot an American in another country because their voice is just projecting over everyone else's. Uh, we, and we drive a lot. Uh, we're, we've always had this love affair, as they say, with our cars, our automobiles. For, for some people, especially in Europe, if they could walk somewhere, they'll walk. Even though they have a car, they'll, they'll say, no, we'll just walk there. Uh, they, they're not as tied to their cars as we are. They take public transportation. Uh, so we do that a lot more. And then this last one, I've, I've always kind of thought was weird. So today is January 29th, 2023. They don't do that in other countries. They, they actually start 
with the day, month, year. So you start with a smaller period of time, a day, and then a month, and then a year. So you get small, middle, large. We do month, which is the middle, and then we go to the day, which is the smallest amount of time, and then we do the year. I don't know why we do it that way. It's just, it's odd. And so don't be confused when you go to another country and they tell you the, they write out the date differently on their checks and everything. Uh, so we get asked, well, are they weird or are we? Ponder that. Um, but there are lots of languages. I have a friend of mine who works with Wycliffe Bible translators. And uh, according to Wycliffe, there are 6,809 known languages across the world. And obviously those started with, um, as a smaller group, and then they've kind of gone into subsets and dialects and everything as well. By the way, this same friend of mine said that they're really, really close to having a New Testament in every known language by like 2024, 25, which is kind of exciting in light of prophecy and everything. Uh, and then when you get a language, when people are all together, you get different customs and traditions and so forth. So where do they all come from? Well, we're going to be in Genesis 11. Uh, if you ever have your Bible, we'll be in the first nine verses, but we'll also have it on the screen. So 11.1 says this, now the whole earth had one language, the same words. And, you know, we don't know what that language was. So a lot of people speculate, well, was it Hebrew or some kind of Hebrew dialect? It really doesn't matter if we don't know what that language was and what it was called. Uh, but there was one culture and there was one ethnicity as these descendants of Noah's sons were just pretty much hanging out together uh, and they were unified. Now you think, well, what's the problem with that? What's wrong with that? Well, verse 2 tells us, starts to get into the problem of them not going out into all the world. So that says, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Not, well, where's that? Uh, if you're familiar with a little, you know, global geography, if you know where the Persian Gulf is, it's, it's right north of the Persian Gulf, or there's two main rivers, Tigris and Euphrates. They kind of come to a point. It's right in between those two rivers. We know today, just by history, that that area, which is also called Mesopotamia, is often called the cradle of civilization, where cities and, and languages and countries started to form. There's actually some interesting archaeology that's coming up that there were other cities in other places that were forming as well. But that's always just called the cradle of, civil, cradle of civilization. Now, what was wrong with that, that they settled there? If you remember back when we talked about Adam and Eve, one of the things he told them was, have kids and fill the earth. They were supposed to multiply and spread out among the earth. Well, um, God repeated that after the flood. After to Noah and his sons and their wives, he said, look, have children and spread out to all the earth. But here in verse 2, it says they all settled in that same place. And they think, well, that's not the most evil thing they could have done. But they were supposed to spread out. However, it gets a little worse. It gets a little badder. Uh, verse 3 and 4. And they said to one another, 
Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone. And bitumen. I, th- I don't even know what bitumen is, but look it up. Uh, for, for mortar. So it's some kind of mortar for the bricks. And they said, come, let us build a city uh, and a tower with its top to the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So now we're starting to see some bigger problems with them hanging out all together rather than spreading out as God wanted them. Hey, let's build a city. Let's build a tower. And there's a couple reasons why they want to do this. Reason number one is they said that we want to make a name for ourselves. They wanted to be famous. They wanted to be well-known. And wanted people to say, wow, let's all go to whatever their name of their city is. And because that's just a great place to be. It's a very famous place. Think about when people go on vacations and they're going to another state or they're going to other countries. It's like if you're gonna to go to Paris, what are you gonna see? Or Paris. If you're gonna to go to France, what are you gonna see? I just told you. Paris. Okay. If you're gonna to go to uh, uh, Russia, where are you, you going to go? You, you want to see Moscow, right? If you're going to go to California, you want to you want to go to you don't want to go to L.A. Just don't bother with Southern California. Um, Yosemite. Yosemite. You want to go to Yosemite? Or you want to go see San Francisco and walk along the Golden Gate Bridge and so forth? Well, it, that's what they were looking for. Uh, so they wanted to make a name for themselves. But the other thing they, they didn't want to do is they didn't want to be scattered. Even though God told them to scatter, let's build a name. Let's all build, stay around the city that we're going to build. We'll be wonderful. People will love us. But let's not be scattered. And you could ask yourself, okay, well, was this arrogance? Or was it even a, maybe a, what we would call a healthy sense of self-esteem? But, you know, they should have obeyed God's decree. Now, obviously, a lot of time has passed between Noah and, and this now refilling, this repopulation that has happened. Uh, but maybe they just didn't pass that on. We don't know. But they should have thought, rather than making their name great, they should have been thinking about making God's name great. And, you know, we could point fingers at them, but we as a church and we individually can fall into that same trap very easily. In fact, people will applaud us and encourage us to make our name great, make the name of our church great. What will make us look good? What's in it for me? There's a great statement that uh, you might read here or there, and, but it's got tons of wisdom, and it's this. It's not about you. It's not about you. Life's not about you. Life's not about me. It's not about us either. Well, how does God respond to this city and tower and goal to make their name great? Look at verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower with which the children of man had built. So again, some time has obviously passed since they had this idea. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they, they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. 
Come, let us go down and confuse their languages so that they may not understand one another's speech. So God sees this and visits them. We don't know if they could see him or not, but he's checking things out, and frankly, he's not impressed. It's like, eh, okay. Uh, I, they probably thought it was grand. But, but we could ask, well, wait a minute. What's wrong with them building a city? There's nothing wrong with building a city. Is it a sin to build a tower? No, it's not a sin to build a tower. The question is, why are they doing that? Why? As they're building this city, you know, cities have problems. They're going to have some maybe overcrowding. Resources are going to be limited. Uh, cities have city problems and so forth. But the point is God told them, look, I want you to spread out over the earth and represent me everywhere. So how is God going to fix this problem to get them, to motivate them to scatter over the earth? And that's where languages come in. And it sounds like it was done pretty quickly. So imagine you're working on the tower. And other people are working on this great tower. And says, hey, send up some more bricks. And the person shouts back at you and says, como? Donde esta? What? What's going on here? All of a sudden, they couldn't understand each other. And it was very, very difficult, obviously, to get the work done. They could no longer work together. So what happened then? Well, you start to look for people who speak the same language. Now, there's a, an icebreaker game. I was kind of tempted to make you all do it. But um, there's an icebreaker game, and we always call it Animal Farm, where you say, okay, the, um, you, you assign an animal to people individually. And like, so some people are ducks and some people are, are cows and some people are cats. And, and, and then you have to go around the room and find the other people making the same noise. So there's someone going, moo, moo. And then you hear another one making it. And so you, you lock arms and you get together and you start looking for all the other cows. And then eventually all the cows are together and all the ducks are together and all the cats are together and so forth. And it, it, again, it's an icebreaker game where you can meet other people that you might, necess- might not necessarily know. Do you want to do it? No, it's okay. All right. But so the same kind of thing happened there is you're just looking for someone that you can understand and they can understand you. And so these groups of people started to gather together in their own unique communities. Now, this next part, we know they scattered, all right? But peoples and cultures started to follow. And we can imagine what happened is as one language group says, you know what? Let's leave. Let's go over and we'll, we'll start our own country. And so they started to migrate across the globe. And we, we know this from, from human history, uh, but they, they started to move in different areas. And even um, someone very far, obviously, or, or over time, over the generations, they kept migrating further and further away. We know, for example, that there was a, a land bridge along the Bering Strait, where, uh, so you're northeast of, of Russia, and you could actually walk across into now 
Alaska, and then that they would just slowly over time, over generations, migrate into the, the North America, South America. There may have been later some people coming over from Greenland and so forth. But these groups of people started to divide out. Now, again, speculating, the scriptures don't say this exactly or, or even imply it, but we know things about genetics. When, when a group of people are isolated together, the gene pool is going to remain pretty much the same. So you're going to get folks who have a certain eye shape, a certain tone to their skin. And, and over time, that's going to kind of homogenize and equal out. And that's why we get not just different languages, but over time, and of course, environmental influences, you're going to get people looking uh, a little more unique with people groups and so forth. And that just happens over time. Um, <clears throat> so God got his way. Uh, he wanted these, uh, these people to spread out over the land. And guess what? There's people all over. I think, what, Antarctica maybe is the only place we don't have settlements. I know people have visited there. But uh, God will, in fact, in mess up our plans. Oh, by the way, what about this tower? It's just another interesting little fun fact. Um, what did it look like? And if you, a lot of times in, in medieval art or so forth, you see these tall, straight towers, almost like skyscrapers. Probably not, because if you're building that with bricks, it's not going to be very stable. Uh, more than likely, it was shaped like a pyramid. So you have a wide base and build up toward the top. It is interesting that the, the, the pyramids are not found just in Egypt. Everyone thinks about that. But they're found all over the world. There are pyramids in North America, pyramids in South America. Even in Europe, there are pyramid mounds that maybe, just maybe, as these other groups came and lived in other areas, they thought, well, let's build our tower here, seeing how we understand each other. So it could have been something like that. Uh, just by the engineering, it, it very likely could have been that basic shape. But see, God messes up our plans sometimes. You know, if we're seeking our own glory like they were, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's be important. God will say, well, let's see how that works out for you. I got another idea for you. You know what's worse, though, than God messing up our plans? Is God not messing up our plans and saying, try that. Try that. There's nothing more unsatisfying in life than seeking your own glory, than trying to make a name for yourself. Now, if you become famous for whatever reason, and God gives you fame and glory, and people think you're important, and even with, maybe within your job or in this community or something, there's nothing evil in its sense about that. But don't seek it for yourself. It, it, following yourself, your own desire, leads to discontentment. But if you want to be content, if you want to be fulfilled, seek God's glory. And I'm the eighth of nine kids, so I was, I've always been looking for attention. And uh, it, it's something God has been working on me in my life. There was a time as, as I got through school, and, and frankly, I was pretty successful in it, in, in my Bible college and seminary, 
and I, I wanted to be uh, a biblical scholar. I either wanted to work with ancient documents, uh, just sitting around with dusty old scrolls and so forth, or I wanted to, to teach in a Bible college or seminary. And that requires, and really, to get hired doing something like that, you need a PhD, at least one. And for a few years, boy, I was focused. Man, I wanted to do that. I wanted to do that. Why did I want to do that, in all honesty, is because I wanted to make a name for myself. I wanted to be important. I wanted people, I wanted, I wanted people to call me and speak at their seminars. I wanted to write books and have them be published. I wanted, I wanted that. I was seeking my own glory. And fortunately, 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 God took that out from under me. I never, I never invested a dollar or the time into that goal. And I'm so grateful because my life is far more satisfying and honoring to him just by seeking his glory. And you might have your own thing. You might, you might say, well, I'm never going to do anything like that. But it might be something else where you're seeking your own glory. He often messes up our plans out of love. Using our lives for him will bring you, I promise you, bring you the most satisfaction. How the world measures wonderfulness has nothing to do with how God measures it. Well, what about this whole thing about unity versus scattering? And let's talk about just us as a, as a church. What does that mean? Years ago, I gave you some definitions about, of the words fort and fortress, and I think they apply here. If a fortress is where kind of you, you go as your, your last stand, uh, where you're, you're planning on living there. You live in a fortress. That's where the king lives. That's your, your final battle stand. You don't go out from a fortress. You hunker down in a fortress. But a fort is a little bit different. A fort goes out into enemy territory where, or you're trying to put a foothold somewhere. If you follow even our early American history, they would set up a fort, you know, Fort Detroit, Fort Pitt, Fort, you know, and set these uh, little alcoves of civilization where you can be safe but you're also reaching to try and go into other areas. And a civiliz, 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 I can't say the word. You know what I mean. As it, prog as it progresses forward, it kind of fills in the area in between the forts. And then, then what do you do? Well, you throw another fort out there. We're supposed to be, on one hand, gathering in the fort. Because sometimes we need to be safe. Sometimes we're going into battle. But the purpose of our fort is to take more ground, not to hunker down. Um, we should be unified, but not seeking our own glory and comfort. The early church, if you read through Acts, did this as well. On one hand, they were together. They were unified together. They were praying together. They were seeking the Lord, especially in the first few chapters but on the other hand, they were supposed to be scattering too. Jesus said in the Great Commission, "Go, uh, uh, all authority has been given to me. Go make disciples. Go into all the world. And then in Acts 1.8, before his ascension, 
He said, go, uh, 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 you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, a city, Judea, a region, Samaria, the next region bigger, and then to the ends of the earth. He wanted the church to scatter as well. And that was Acts 1.8. And in Acts chapter 2, where the, at the day of Pentecost, a lot of people feel this is the reverse of the Tower of Babel we just read about in Genesis 11, is God gave special ability to, to understand other languages because all these people from all over the world were visiting Jerusalem at the time. And so he gave certain apostles and leaders these, these skills. Imagine learning a, a new language like that in a second. God says, boom, you could speak French, you could speak Swahili, you could whatever, and, and you were fluent. And so he did that so they could spread the gospel message around the world and to the people that were right there at that time. Then later on, well, you know what the church did? And I don't think they were being particularly evil. They were just wanting to be together. In Acts 8.1, persecution rises. And guess what it says? It says the church then scattered so they, were, they may have gotten that fortress mentality, but God says, guys, I want you to be forts. I want you to make forts. We don't divide, we multiply. And frankly, do you know why we're here right now in this place, in this building? Is because back at about 2006, a church in Clarion, also strangely called Zion, said, let's build a fort in the Petroleum Valley. Now, maybe they didn't use that word. There's a lot of folks in the Petroleum Valley, in Shakora, Carn City, um, Bruin, that come all the way to Clarion, to our church. Let's, let's plant a new fort in Clarion. Well, gee, we're going to lose people if we do that. What's going to happen to our volunteer base? What's going to happen to our, our, our giving? What's going to, how many people are then going to show if they're all coming to this other place? You know what? It was because a vision of lots of people said, let's build a new place. Let's multiply and build a new place where we can meet. And then a few years later, we started Zion of Jefferson County. It's not dividing, it's multiplying. It's multiplying. How do we build forts? Well, like with our church here, we could think in terms of geography, we, and that could be close geography. That could be, you know, we're within 40 minutes, right, of Clarion, or maybe far, even farther away, maybe another state, maybe in terms of missions, of going to other countries and saying, we're going to set up a presence there. We had, there's a, and you've heard me say before, there's an orphanage in the Philippines, the other side of the whole stinking globe, largely because of us, because of Zion. Now, yes, other churches helped with that quite a bit, but we, we were a big part of that. So there's geographic forts that we can build and form, and some people may even pull up and move away to another community for the purpose of establishing a fort for the Lord in another community. You say, gee, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it is. 
But what are you after? Are you after to build your dream home, make a name for yourself, or do you want to bring glory to God and follow through? But folks, there's other kinds of forts beyond just geography as well. How about your place of employment? Have you thought that your place is where God wants you to be a fort? To take new ground? You may be the only representation for Christ there or, or even just a few others that you're joining with. Uh, it, that could be your fort. Your school could be your fort where you're saying, I'm representing Christ here to bring other people to him. Other people groups, it could be to students. It could be a club or a, or a civic group. Maybe you're a regular at a particular restaurant. You always see the same people there. Build a fort. Build a fort there to bring the gospel to these other people. See, do we have the same heart that God, want, that God has for us to multiply ourselves out? I want to I throw something at you today as a challenge. What if God opened a door for us to open another campus somewhere else? I mean, I was challenged by this a few months ago. No, well, we're, we're kind of a small group, you know. God says, no, I could, I could work with small groups. What about that? And, and for, I have no plans. I have no ideas. But what if? What, what, I mean, what if, what if we went out to, I don't, I don't know, Eau Claire, Marge? <laughs> yeah. What, or, you know, we, in our driving around, visiting our kids and everything, we drive through communities. And on Sundays, there's some of these churches have two or three cars there. Maybe they need another one. Some, some communities don't have any gospel witness in them. I don't know. Maybe, maybe God will call us to do that at some point. Point is, we should be willing not to build a name for ourselves. And churches, by the way, just we talked about individuals. Churches can try to do that too. We're going to be great. We're going to be mighty. And we're going to, you know, I'll be honest. When we, when we started this campus, we thought, well, within a year, we should be 300 people in three services. It didn't happen. But God doesn't measure things like the world does. See, we were thinking in terms of being great ourselves. But we're great in his eyes, period. A gospel witness. There are people that are coming to Christ because he's placed us here, regardless of how the world measures things. But just be thinking about that. What, you know, well, what if we lose people? But again, what's our goal? Our goal is to scatter out, build forts, and we'll all be, by the way, unified again in one magnificent city later that will come. We are called to go, not stay. And I remember as a young man, young Christian, hating the idea uh, especially international missions, not wanting to go. And someone said, you're called to go anyway. What you, what you need special direction from, a special calling from, is a calling to stay where you're at. We've already been told to go. And of course, God does that. God sets up you know, a base 
uh, a support team, so to speak, where people are praying and giving and giving time and so forth. When we started here, we had people from Clarion come here and helped us out as we as we were building uh, as well. But be be the person who's willing to go because God said so, and only stay if He says. I want, you to, I want you to be that base here. And that's equally important. Folks, we could be called Babylon Christians because this city where they built the tower was called Babel. Um, when we refuse to scatter beyond the four walls of our home or beyond the four walls of our building here, that's what we are. Now, gathering matters. Being unified matters. But our energy should be focused on scattering on missions trips, on community engagement. And we see this in the Great Commission. When we're focused on God's glory, when we're focused on how can we make the name of God known in this community and beyond, guess what automatically happens? We're unified. We are together when we have that same mission and vision together. When we're focused on Him, we'll be unified by default. Scattering multiplying should be part of our normal dialogue, our vocabulary. Let's dream together. Let's dream about that. God, what, what do you have? Maybe not in our lifetimes. Maybe we're going to be like David who wanted to build the temple. And God said, thank you. That's very nice of you, but not you, David, King David. Well, let your son Solomon do it. But you know what David did? He had all the lumber, all the gold, all the precious jewels. He had everything laid out that, that the, the craftsmen and the architects and the, and the builders could start as soon as Solomon was, was crowned king and everything was ready and staged for the temple to be built. So maybe God will call us to stage things. and get. I don't know. But let's, let's have that attitude. Wow, God. How can we make your name known and not be thinking and concerned of how cool we are? Our faith is not about what makes us feel good or in the world they would say self-actualized or being fulfilled. If you want to be fulfilled, glorify God. Use your action, use your location, use your occupation, your position, your resources to be that fort. It's freeing, my friends, to realize it's not about you. I'm going to read you a quote, uh, or it's actually a prayer by one of my favorites, A.W. Tozier. Um, I don't have this on the screen for you, but I'll, I could send it out to you as, a, as an email. But he's quoting 2 Samuel twenty-two forty-seven, and it's, The Lord lives, blessed be my rock, let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. Here's the prayer from Tozier. O God, be thou exalted over my possessions. Nothing of earth's treasures shall shall seem dear unto me, if only thou art glorified in my life. Be thou exalted over my friendships. I am determined that thou shalt be above all, though, though I must stand deserted and alone in the midst of the earth. Be thou exalted over my comforts, though it may mean the loss of bodily comforts and the carrying of heavy crosses. I shall keep my vow made this day before thee. Be thou exalted over my reputation. 
make me ambitious to please thee, even if as a result I must sink into obscurity and my name be forgotten as a dream. Rise, O Lord, into the proper place of honor above my ambitions, above my likes and dislikes, above my family, my health, and even my life itself. Let me decrease that thou mayest increase. Let me sink that thou may rise above. Ride forth upon me as thou didst ride into Jerusalem, mounted upon the humble little beast, a colt, the foal of a donkey, and let me hear the children cry to thee, to thee, Hosanna, the highest. In my increasing knowledge of you, Lord, as I spend more time in solitude and silence before you, this prayer becomes so logical. Be thou exalted in my life, O Lord. A.W. Tozer. It's our time to kind of start applying what we've been praying about, what, what we just heard, praying about what we just heard. And I have a few suggestions for us as we pause and we pray. Um, for, first of all, let's for, ask God for forgiveness if we thought it was about us, if we thought it was about me. Let's, let's, he will forgive us for that. And then ask, what, what would you have us do, Lord? Where would you have us go? We already do some things. We already have foci in different places and ministering to people in, in our school and in our community, things that we do. But maybe there's something additionally. And, you know, let's thank him for giving us purpose, something that will last forever, something made with gold and silver and precious stones, not wood hay, or stubble. And during this time, I'm going to be quiet. And if you want to pray out loud, you're welcome to pray out loud. You don't have to. But if you do, then that's great. Just uh, remembering these requests and maybe others that came to your mind today. If you are remaining quiet, then pray along with us as we uh, remember this passage. He has offered us, folks, something that is forever, for an eternity, to, to bless his name and will make a difference forever. So I'll be quiet and let's pray and then I'll close this in just a little bit. Oh Lord, how many times I've sought my own glory, sought the, the praises and the approval of men for myself and for this church. And Lord, you have been so, so patient. Sometimes you let me pursue it only to find out what a dead end it is. And other times, Lord, you've messed up my plans and in your grace and, and allowed us to see it's not about us. It's not about me. It is about you. And there is nothing more satisfying and fulfilling than lifting your name on high. And Lord, as we get ready to, to worship some more in song, we will sing of your majesty and that you are king of heaven. And let it start here in this moment. And Lord, we do. We pray for wisdom. We pray for our hearts. We pray for saying, God, where? where? What can we do? How can we, how can we be fort builders? Near or far away? Soon or, or down the road? For this generation or another generation, Lord, we want to be about the work of God. And there are, someone would say there's sure a lot of churches in this area now, but Lord, there are lots, lots and lots of people who are still home right now. They, they don't worship you. They, they just, they might be nice people, but they're, 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 they don't know you. There's a lot of work to do. Lord, we could fill every church and still have 
a, a large portion of our community here in the Petroleum Valley who do not know you. So, Lord, there's lots of work here and a little bit farther out and even farther out still. So we, we want to trust you. We want to say, okay, what, where, where's next? To where do we scatter? So, Lord, we, uh, we, we open our hearts and our minds, even if it should cost and be inconvenient. Uh, and, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've called us. We're, we don't have to be a church of 10,000 people and a couple million dollar budget. That you use us, whoever we are, with the, with the gifts you've given us and the opportunities you've given us. You don't measure success like the world does. You measure faithfulness. And so, Lord, we want to hear, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, Zion Church. You did what I asked you to do. And gone out and made disciples and spread the word, spread the good news of the gospel. And you grew in your faith. And you became more and more like Christ. Oh, Lord, how we long for that. And so, Lord, help us to be hearers, we have ears. Let's use them. And let's follow you with our whole hearts. Thank you, Lord, for these people, for the, the dedication, the, the faithfulness that I see every week. And we pray this in your name. Amen. As our worship team comes up, I have a few announcements. Uh, one is for, first, if you have a child or a grandchild uh, in sixth grade, right now, in sixth grade to twelfth grade, Come up for just a brief meeting. I have some great news for you um, uh, right after our gathering, right after our second song, okay? So that'll be, uh, again, if you're a child or grandchild, 6th grade to 12th grade, okay? I uh, want to remind you, we have our Tuesday night life group. It's at 6.30. We're in, marching through the book of Romans. We're in chapter 5. And so come join us, and we will continue with that. Uh, the other thing we have going on, it's called Old Testament Live. It used to be called the Old Testament Walkthrough. If the Old Testament seems vague, like just a lot of, well, I know about David and Goliath and, and Jonah and other stories, but how did they all fit together? You will learn how the whole Old Testament story fits together and leads to Christ. It, we're going to have, it, it's called Old Testament Live. It'll be at our Clarion Campus. Make sure I get the date correctly. Uh, March 18th, there's some cards back there, and there's also posters. You need to go on our website, zionlife.com, and you can sign up. It is $20. It's a little steep. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but there's a workbook that comes with it, but it'll be 9 to 12 that morning. You will have such a better grip on the Old Testament, I promise, that you say, wow, this just makes it so much easier to study and to read as you go through uh, the books of the Old Testament. So um, that's coming up on March 18th. Uh, the other thing is for us here, uh, be on this campus, Family Fun Day. We're going to do uh, uh, the, uh, the marble, the, huh? marble slides. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. Uh, and so that'll be on the 19th, right after our gathering. We received a gift uh, as well toward that. So we're going to be able to provide some pizza and drinks and everything uh, for it. So if you got kids or grandkids, uh, come stay with us after church and we'll enjoy some lunch together and then help the kids. If you don't have kids or grandkids and you want to help, we really could use your help. There's some 
uh, we need help cutting you know, tubes. We want the kids to have all their fingers when they're done. That's, that's our minimum goal, uh, even though they're going to have a lot of fun doing this. But we could use some adults uh, who hope, hope actually will also have all their fingers when we're done because there's some cutting involved. So that's February 19th. Uh, and then finally, just a, a resource that has come uh, into us uh, as well. There is a, a book out. It's about the rapture and the coming and the return of Christ. It's very interesting. It's written to the people who are left. It's a very interesting audience. But there's a great and wonderful explanation of the gospel in there. There's also some explanations about well, what, what's happening and here's how it will help you. We have several copies, and if you want to grab one, they're back there. It's also a book that you really is meant to leave with someone who doesn't know the Lord. And if they don't know the Lord at the rapture, they could pick it up at that time and read it. Uh, there's a couple minor theological things I, I, that they're debatable issues that, yes, I admit there's some debate over, um, but they're not, they're not huge things. They acknowledge Jesus as Lord. They acknowledge Jesus' return. Um, so those are stacked back there. It's thin. You could read it really in one sitting uh, as well. So I just wanted to make you aware of those. So let's sing of his majesty and that he's king of heaven. <laughs> 